And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Bertie Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my friend Jeremy Frankel. Uh, Jeremy is a staff writer for Bongino.com and an all-around solid dude. Uh, it's always a good time talking to Jeremy. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, yeah, before we get to Jeremy, uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, here's my chat with Jeremy Frankel. All right, guys. We're here with my good friend and brand new Bongino.com staff writer, the great Jeremy Frankel. Jeremy, my brother, how you doing? Good. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. How are you hanging in there, man? You're stuck in a house with two uh, small children, and uh, yeah, man, you're not allowed to leave because you live in North Jersey, so uh, how, how are you hanging I, in? How I, are you I passing love, the time? I love, my, I love my kids, but yeah, it's uh, it's quite it's quite tough. I mean, I'm working in my office down here. The, thankfully, they're, they're pretty good about it. You know, they're doing their thing upstairs, whatever. They're just hanging out, and um, yeah, I mean, they're doing school online and you know they're doing their best you know we're all doing our best here right on Just man hope, hoping for this to end yeah man <laughs> yeah man tell me about it so let's just jump right in we have a whole bunch to cover and not a lot of time to do it so let's jump right into the news um the story that jumped out to me this morning it comes from uh santa clara county out in out in uh california where health officials have confirmed that two people died of coronavirus on February 6th and February 17th. This is obviously weeks before uh, the previous uh, first recorded death, uh, thought to be the the, the first pre- uh, recorded death, which was February 29th in Kirkland, Washington. So th- this, along with a lot of these these tests coming out uh, from random testing in California and the testing of all pregnant women in New York City that show the, the infection rate is exponentially higher than uh, than previously reported, and I guess that makes sense. I mean, if the virus was here weeks or even months before we thought, uh, it would make sense that a lot of people were sick and dying uh, before we even knew what this thing was. So um, I don't know what we do with this information. So, like, I guess I'm not starting off on a, on a strong foot here. Like, what? I don't know what to do with this. Like, did we start social distancing too late for it to actually matter? Uh, how much have the stay-at-home orders how much difference have they actually made? We just don't know. Like we don't know what to do with this new information right now. What I think you could do is I think you could take the information that, yeah, we probably started social distancing late. And like, what was it? You said February 7th. Sixth. That was basically at the sixth. Either way. That was basically around the time both Fauci, Trump and no, basically everybody, I'm not putting blame on anybody specifically. No, but everybody was like, you know, saying that this wasn't a big deal. And by all, by all data, they, had it wasn't at the time right but now it clearly shows that we social distance too late and it sounds like we didn't really do much by it and the hysteria was just exactly that and uh, if i may sidetrack a little bit hysteria is something that will 
basically cause people to do things that they wouldn't do normally, which is why the media lives on it, which is why the politicians live on it. And I honestly, I think that this is why we're here right now. Yeah, that being I, said, I definitely agree. We, that being said, we can also take from this that the um, that the mortality rate is way lower than we thought. And if these people were asymptomatic, I, I don't know if they were, but let's let's assume that they were because we didn't know about the virus then or, or they thought it was the flu. Odds are way more people had it than we know and either didn't have symptoms and they just got over it or, you know, they just said uh, that, yeah, or they just um, basically they just got either they just got over it or it just passed and, and you know, passing to the population then. But if we didn't see the the sharp rise in upticks until a month later, that uh, them passing it on didn't really seem to matter. Yeah, and that's so, that's the thing. the 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 big thing for me is we just need more testing because a lot of these tests have a very small sample size. Like the the pregnant women in New York City is the largest sample size of any of these tests uh, because uh, I believe New York City hospitals just tested every pregnant woman because they you know they needed to know what what they're dealing with. And something like 15% of the women tested, tested positive, and only 10% of the people that tested positive showed any symptoms at all. Okay. So, I mean, that that shows, I mean, that's still a small sample size, but it matters. And it, it, it's, it's there's so many questions here. It, if, and this is a huge if, the infection rate is, you know, 50 times higher and than reported, and the death rate is 50 times lower than reported, I don't know. <laughs> like, did we shut down the economy for absolutely no reason? And I think that's what you were alluding to. It's and we don't of... have, like, you and I don't have the answers to this. Like, I don't know. Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. But it's starting to look like state governments and the federal government were making decisions blindfolded here, man. Like, I know they're only you can only work with the data you have in front of you, but the numbers may have been completely off from the onset. And we, we've been making, as a society, making decisions without any data in front of us we're just we're flying blind and that that's that's terrifying so as i just said we go back full circle to panic and hysteria that basically we're basically looking at oh you want people to die people are dying people are dying again i don't mean to say that that doesn't matter that's not my point my point is that in life you make choices we could also prevent um automobile deaths by putting the speed limit at 10 you know we're not going to do that because we take risks in life. Everything in life is involving a risk. And you also have to understand that, you know, an economic shutdown, people lose their li- uh, their livelihoods, their savings, their, their, their destitution. Um, there was a uh, statistic out of France a little bit ago that domestic abuse has risen by a third. Because people are quarantined in the house all the time. Of course, something like that might happen with, you know, people who are having problems already. You know, child abuse could happen. Also, people are losing kids are going crazy i could say for my own my own family kids are going like my kids are bored you know like they, they go out to the backyard great but like you only can do that so many times right speaking of hysteria <laughs> i was head for a transition jeremy speaking of hysteria <laughs> uh we have to mention a poll released this morning by the morning consult um they, mm-hmm. they polled americans over the age of 65 and asked them should non-essential workers be allowed to move freely outside. Which first, before we get to the results of this poll, that is the most messed up, ridiculous 
draconian phrasing I've ever heard in my life. I'll just read it again. Should non-essential workers be allowed to move freely outside? Okay, this is some serious 1984 shit, man. Um, so obviously the phrasing's insane, but this is some real Stockholm syndrome stuff, man. Because 70%, 75% of responders said no. 75% of Americans over the age of 65 said no. Americans should not be allowed to move freely outside. Now, look, I know these people are the most at-risk group. They're elderly. They're scared. They're vulnerable. But, look, we may or may not be facing shortages of PPE, personal protective equipment, but we are absolutely going to be facing a nationwide shortage of boots to lick here shortly if we don't do something about this. Oh, 100%. But let's, let's, um, let's parse this question here because this question is loaded and can be manipulated in so many ways. So allowed to move freely outside, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that they're allowed to go wherever they want or they might be allowed to go to certain areas or certain or do certain things such as their job? Because they haven't talked about that yet. Right. They haven't talked about it in that question. I mean, uh, let's put aside essential versus non-essential now. No one knows what that means. It's completely arbitrary. Essential could mean um, doctors, healthcare workers or cops or essential can mean um, people who are working at Target, or essential can mean somebody manufacture um somebody manufacturing food or um or whatever whatever it is. Pretty much every job is essential. Yeah, if it you have if you have, like if you have non-essential. Yeah, if you have oh, bills sorry. to pay, if you have bills to pay, uh, your paycheck is pretty damn essential. Right. I'm not even talking about from a from a micro perspective like that. I'm talking about from an economy an economy in general. Right. So in this question, it sounds like literally just anybody just doing like just people loafing around and, and who happen to have some kind of income. It sounds like shouldn't be allowed to move from outside their house. You can interpret it that way. I, they probably I'm not saying they did. But the question is worded so ridiculously that they get the outcome that they want of the question. Right. I mean, like, I Which would understand why only that one group. Right. And I think they did want risk group. I, I definitely think. Yeah. And, and by the way, we to the audience, we, we both looked everywhere. I, I don't think they actually polled any other age demographics, just the elderly. So it is it's probably safe to say they wanted to find that result. But like, look, I'd understand 75 percent of responders saying no. If the question was like, should non-essential workers be able to go pack into Yankee Stadium for a ball game tomorrow. <laughs> like, okay, yes, like, I get that. No, like, no, we should not pack 100,000 people into a stadium. Like, I, I understand that. That would be insane. But, it, it, look, if somebody asked me a question, should non-essential workers be allowed to, my answer is yes, should be allowed. We're Americans. Yes, we're allowed to move freely <clears throat> outside. Like, move free, I'm not allowed to like, get a newspaper from my driveway. Like, what, like, what are we talking about here? Like, it's a right. That's another way. thing. Where, what, what is this talking about? Where are they going? What, does freely outside mean on your property? Does freely outside mean in a big crowd? Does freely outside mean just, you know, just taking a walk anywhere? It's a and, very loaded question. Oh, yeah, and of course, allowed. I mean, obviously, what does that mean? Yeah, if you want, if you want my eyeball to pull a Joe Biden and explode, uh, just tell me I'm not allowed to do something. Uh, the government tell me I'm not allowed to do. To something. To me, it's like so evident that how ridiculous that is. I didn't even get to it yet. Right, right. But like, what this tells me is that a lot of Americans are completely comfortable with their government telling them what they can and can't do. Okay, and I was really hoping. That's, I, what, pa- that's what panic does. I know. I, I was I was optimistic for a second there that it might backfire on the government, that these tyrannical 
governors, people like Gretchen Whitmer, who we're going to get to in a second. Uh, I that think they it will over time. Over time, but it's not not right away. I, people seem very comfortable with the government telling them what to do. And but look, who, why, <laughs> why? Like, if you've studied history, what about governments in the last hundred years would make you comfortable <laughs> with giving them the authority to tell you what you can and can't do? Just this week. Just this week, the CDC sent out thousands of coronavirus tests that were contaminated with, wait for it, wait for it, Jeremy, the coronavirus. <laughs> okay, that is government in a nutshell, sending out tests contaminated with the virus they're testing for. Okay, government sucks. Government is run by human beings, not by gods, not by angels, human beings. People suck. Governments suck. And why are these people... Ah, this is the Stockholm Syndrome of it all, man. Like, the fact that these people are totally comfortable with the government telling them they have to stay in their house right when their government is also sending out thousands of coronavirus tests contaminated with the coronavirus. It just makes no sense. Like, at this point, knowing what we know about what government is, why are people comfortable with this? Because human nature wants to be taken care of. Liberty is not an instinct. It's a value which is why America has been the exception of history, which is why the Bible was the exception of history with authoritarian regimes reigning from the beginning of time until the ancient Israelites, which was, well, my people. And then, you know, just down any, any nation based on the Bible, which would be the United States, is based in liberty, but it's a, it's a value that needs to be taught. And if we don't constantly teach it, as Ronald Reagan said, that we're one uh, generation, um, removed from extinction of uh, liberty. I mean, not we, um, if we don't continue passing it down because it's not ingrained, not everybody wants to be free. Everybody wants to be taken care of. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why, uh, you know, anytime, uh, somebody brings this up, you know, you remember the, the George W. Bush quote from the early two thousands, um, during the Iraq war, you know, saying that all people inherently want to be free. I forget, I forget the quote. Uh, but hoping that, you know, we could spread democracy across the Middle East because all people inherently want to be free. And that's just not true. I mean, like exactly. you said, go, going through human history, that's that's not true at all. I mean, people that come from, you know, tens or hundreds of generations of like British common law, like we do, you know, people that have experienced liberty for hundreds of years do. But, yeah, not not everybody inherently wants to be free. But all right, let's move on. Um, because you're in the middle of writing a new piece uh, for Bongino.com about uh, Michigan's ridiculous dictator governor Gretchen Whitmer. And I've beat the crap out of her for the last couple weeks on the show for being a petty tyrant. But uh, it turns out out she's also wildly corrupt. So we can uh, beat her up on that front as well. Uh, Explain to me and the audience uh, uh, what the piece is about. So basically, so so Whitmer, she's been under tons and tons of fire for basically... Um, calling the uh, the protests against her draconian orders from not being able to buy seeds, not being able to motorboat, not being able to for interest, banning interstate travel. Um, we've seen protests at the Capitol, which she's called political. She said something about World War II that they didn't get in a protest uh, during World War II. You know, like I don't really even have a clue where that analogy was supposed to go. But is that even true? The, uh, the, is that is that true? By the way, did like the government shut true? down? Did did the government shut down protesting during World War II? I I've never heard that. I don't, I don't even know no, if that's accurate. Not that, not that not that I know not that I know of. At World yeah. War One, World World War One, Woodrow Wilson did. Right. That doesn't mean that it's a good thing. Uh, yeah, I mean Woodrow Wilson's but one that, of history's means... great monsters. So. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'll just do uh I'll do I'll do the Glenn Beck here, and when he talks, whatever. 
Whenever he talks about Woodrow Wilson, he always has to put in the words, I hate that guy. And he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by far the, the worst president in American history. And uh, so basically, what the, so I'm reading from the Free Beacon this morning, which is what I ended up writing about, that Michigan had awarded a contract to track the spread via, like, via contact tracing from a group uh, called the Great Lakes Community Engagement, which is basically, it's part of a massive Democrat consulting firm. Oh my goodness. So I'll, I'll read from the Free Beacon report here. The organization, the Great Lakes Community Engagement, is run by Democrat political consultant Mike Culhouse who plan to use a software vendor affiliated with a Democratic data firm that is working for the governor's re-election campaign. Whitmer's decision to hire Democratic political operatives to run a public health uh, project sparked immediate backlash. The Washington Free Beacon reported just hours before Whitmer's office said she had terminated the contract. This had happened last night. So do you, I'm reading from two separate pieces right now. One uh, announcing the initial move and one announcing her rescission. Colehouse is the owner of K2K Consulting, an umbrella organization tied to both Great Lakes Community Engagement and Colehouse Strategies. Both have done extensive fieldwork for Democrat causes. Colehouse, in turn, retained as a partner in the contract tracing operation an arm of the Democratic consulting firm NGPVAN, which is currently working with Whitmer's re-election campaign. NGPVAN said it had not been contacted by the state but declined further comment. And so it obviously um, sparked concern that she is using the, uh, the virus to strengthen the Democrats' data operation. And you know, is doesn't care about the public health. It's all about that. It's all about politics. And according to the piece, the group paid Whitmer's gubernatorial campaign five thousand dollars in twenty nineteen, and and its head Stuart Trevelyan is a longtime Democrat campaign operative, a former Clinton White House staffer, and a current Joe Biden campaign assistant. Good lord, would it kill yeah. these people to just take a just take a break from being corrupt during a global pandemic? Would it kill them? Apparently so. Because it, the leftism is not just it's not just a political way of life. It's not just politics. It's a religion. They will do anything to further what they want. It, it absolutely is. The, every time they talk about abortion, they think of it as a sacrament. Right. Every time, you know, for example, it, the list goes on and on. They always whenever they talk about something and virtue signal, it's always about, you know, like they think they actually did something that God commands of them or the God that they believe in, which is, you know, the, the God of science, the God of, um, you know, global warming, the God of transgenderism, whatever it is. The sky monster. The God of yeah. self. The sky, exactly. Right. The Here, here's the thing. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm trying to I'm trying to think. But off the top of my head and look, I'm not defending every move the Trump administration's made during this pandemic. I mean, they did fumble the ball a little bit early on. I think by and large, they've done mostly the right but things. So did but so everyone. No and, one but, knew. And like, I, I don't agree with, of course. Yeah. But, um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying I, you know, the administration isn't flawless throughout all this. And a lot of Republican governors have uh, made a lot of decisions that I disagree with as well, but I don't think. Yeah. Yours least, has been pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't been great, but, um, but I don't think at least off the top of my head that, there's Republican governors or certainly the administration making decisions for their own benefit or making it political, at least at this time. I mean, like the left, they are not they are seizing on this pandemic. They do not want to let this crisis go to waste. I don't think we're seeing that from the right, at least not that I can think of. I, mean, I don't think, you know, the left is accusing the Trump administration uh, because they suspended all immigration uh, for 60 days, which is just common sense. We're, we were in the middle of a, the worst global pandemic in 100 years. And, and that was kind of watered down, and, too. And half the, and ha and half the country's I mean, out of work. Now, 
And yeah, we don't have time to get yeah. into it. But that's not. They're saying, oh, that's in Trump's self interest because he's a racist or whatever. No, that's ridiculous. That's a common sense move. That's not in the you know Trump's self interest or anything. So I I don't think we're seeing Republicans seize on this as an opportunity to expand power or, or benefit their reelection campaigns or something. I, I'm not seeing it. We're seeing it constantly from the Democrats. At least, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we've seen that from the right, at least so far. I haven't seen it other than, you know, like certain things saying how bad the Democrats don't actually care, such as that ad we saw a couple of days ago with Pelosi eating ice cream. Oh, gosh. We don't have $15 I'll, a pint ice cream. I'll play that ad on the next show. We don't have time to get into it, uh, but that was a brutal ad. But real quick, it Jeremy, before I let you go, one of the best ads I've ever seen. Uh, one of the, it, dude, powerful, <laughs> ruthless, absolutely ruthless yeah. ad. I mean, the the Republican Party, the RNC, is really taking the gloves off, and you you love to see it. Um, but Jeremy, before I let you go, man, uh, last night on Twitter, uh, we and a bunch of our friends were, uh, I don't know how the hashtag got started, but we were explaining the first major news event that we remember following as a kid. And I have a funny story in regards to mine, but you go first. Um, what uh, what was the first, as a kid, following the news, what was the first big story that you can remember? The 1996 election. Oh, same. Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton versus Bob Dole. And it was funny. Like, I, this is going to sound a little weird, but I was in first grade at the time, and we had, like, this mock election. And basically our teacher put it to us as, this is Bill Clinton. He wants to be president again. This is Bob Dole. He wants to be president. And I'm like thinking as a first grader, like, okay, we're learning to share and things like that. Okay, so now it's his <laughs> turn. And like, so of course I rooted for Dole. <laughs> yeah, like and Clinton I, should I be polite. I, 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 Bill Clinton should have exactly. been polite. Like, let somebody else have it. Come on. That's hilarious. That That is a, that, that's a that hilarious is... way to respond to a presidential election. But my, my <laughs> the, the first story I remember was also the... Um, the 96 election, and it makes sense that I turned out a libertarian because I I, I was seven. I'm a couple years older than you. I, I was seven years old. I remember watching a Clinton-Dole debate with my parents, and my dad called bullshit on both candidates for lying in the middle of the debate. He was like, oh, they're both liars. Uh, I, I forget what they were talking about, but he called them both out for lying, and I, was, I remember crying. I was distraught as a seven-year-old kid, and I asked my dad, I'm like, so wait, our president is going to be a liar either way? And he's like, yep, <laughs> that's how politics works. And fast forward, uh, I'm a libertarian. So I guess I guess it all makes sense. Jeremy, I know you got to go. You have a heart out here. Um, yeah. Where can everybody read your stuff and follow you online and keep in touch and all that good stuff? So Bongino.com. I write two pieces a day now. Could be more, could be less. Um, and um, and Twitter at Frankel Jeremy and on Facebook. All right, everybody follow Jeremy. He's great. Everybody check out Bongino.com. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Monday. No gimmicks.